0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 1244 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 29th of March, 2023, and this is episode 693 of Bitcoin and I'm bringing you a rare interview. You know, it's rare for me to do interviews, so but I do do them every once in a while when I when I hit on something that I really want to dive deep into, I will definitely do an interview and I got one for you and this is going to be with Scott Lindberg from freemarketkids.com. He's got a game. It's a Bitcoin game. It's like not a computer game. It's like if you were with me when I interviewed Scott Sibley from Shamari it's like a Bitcoin game that is physical. You sit down with your kids, you sit down with other people, you physically play the game at a table. It's got good art, it's got good quality stuff and it teaches people about Bitcoin without being too intrusive. And Scott's going to get all into all of that in this interview and I'm just going to dump it right here. We got Scott Lindberg on the show. He's got a game, he's got some books freemarketkids.com that's freemarketkids.com scott how you doing
1: i am doing fantastic david thanks
0: well i appreciate you spending your time and and being here i don't often do uh interviews but sometimes there's people that i got to talk to and you're one of these people because (laughs) when i first set up this podcast one of the four one of the four pillars that i was trying to get into was linking up bitcoin with gaming as well as education and a, a couple of other things, it's actually in the. It, I I I need to change my my intro stuff around a little bit because things have changed. But gaming still definitely interests me, and you've got one. And uh, I had Scott Sibley on a long time ago when he released a mm-hmm. card game called Shomery, and you've met Scott, so you you definitely mm-hmm. know him. He's a good guy. So w- what I want to do is before we get into any of that um let's hear about your bitcoin story where you first heard about it when you fell in the rabbit hole and why so can you can you can you do that for
1: us uh sure sure i just and before i start i just want to say thank you i i know you uh you have almost 700 episodes which is just crazy to me uh so what you're doing for bitcoin i appreciate that and the fact that you're letting us go deep on an interview. I know that's not your normal format. So I appreciate that. And then the reason that uh, we're connected is because of a guy named Patrick, who's a co-leader of the Lexington meetup group. And he's the one that pointed me towards you. So just a lot of gratitude for what's going on in the space. The, uh, for me, for me, the start was I had taken, um, after business school, my wife and I met in business school, I got into operations. So think of like warehousing operations, logistics. And I was like, well, I, we paid all this money for an MBA. I wanna at least pretend that I'm keeping up with what's going on. And I used to listen to the investor podcast with Preston Pish when it was only investing, the, the value investing. And he would come on and talk about, hey guys, what's going on with this Bitcoin thing? And I, that to my knowledge is the first recollection I have of someone that I respected calling it out uh, it could have been something else, but that's what I recall. And then he would bring on great guests. So you might have a Lynn Alden or a plan B, or I don't remember if he had Michael Saylor on, but he would have great, great guests, maybe like a Jeff Booth or something. So I would go and get their books or I'd read whatever articles they had. And then at some point I was, I was like, wow, this is so much more than I thought. So that time frame where that started was somewhere around Maybe end of 2019, beginning of 2020. I would call 2020. I would say I'm class of 2020 in terms okay. of Bitcoin. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a, a, a that's a good class. That that is a good class because that's the class that you know when you saw this thing come up. You know, I was class of 2015, so when I saw it come up, I saw it go from 250 to 20k, and then go back down to 3500. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the thing is like, can you wow. survive that? And, and so the class of 2020 sauce, similar functionality, right? Yes. Massive gain, mm-hmm. massive crash. And if you're still in, you're kind of burned in. And if you go through mm-hmm. two of these, you're never getting out.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm all in. I agree with you. That's uh, that's part of the learning curve. I think it's like your right, internship well, after school. Yeah.
0: So but now you're, you're building games and the one that we're going to be talking about is specifically about Bitcoin. But, um, -hmm. if you're coming out of an MBA and you're falling down the rabbit hole, did gaming come after that or did it come before that? Is it something you've always been interested Mm -hmm. in or?
1: The latter. So grew up traditional as an old guy. I, uh, (laughs) grew up playing tabletop games. My brother and I, every year we go to A conference called Gen Con, which has 50 to 60,000 attendees that it has a lot of things to it, but the core of it is tabletop gaming. So I just love games. And that was just a side, side thing had nothing to do with the NBA. I never actually thought of combining that and making it into a full-time career. You can't make a lot of money unless you happen to hit something like a Catan and you just really, really nail it. It right. makes it much more of a, of a hobby so that was uh okay. that, that's where the game side started the stuff that we're talking about is really and this is this is what i like i know you said you want to you might look at redoing your introduction at, at some point but i don't know of anybody else who's talking about bitcoin education and and games and if you drew a venn diagram I'm like right in the middle of those three. And to hear your introduction, I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> I don't know how many people are out there. Like, um, like that, but the, the bottom line to answer your question is it wasn't intentional. It was a, it was just something I happened to enjoy. You get fellowship out of playing a game with people without looking at a screen. There's just something nice about traditional tabletop games that I, that, um, kind of draws me in.
0: Okay. Well, now, was it during that time that you got interested in the design behind them? I mean, that'd be, or because I, I'm looking at what you've designed here. I was going through the video that that you have on FreeMarketKids.com about how to play this hot up mm-hmm. game, and it's kind of brilliant. Honestly, it's 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 really functional. It's kind of beautiful insofar as. The way that the game works, or what I usually call game mechanics, Mm -hmm. is that something that I mean. Did you have to learn that? I mean, how do you? Well, how do you do that? Let
1: me put that. You're you're missing a couple pieces that I think will give a little clarity. So, my wife and I met in business school. We have four kids, and when we were when our first was born, she said, "I'd really like to stay home and homeschool," and we just made the decision that if we could get by with one income, take fewer vacations, whatever it is that this would be worthwhile. So our house is like a library. We just, any, any, and everything is, is about education. So for me, combining games into trying to teach the kids was a natural thing. So we, it's a whole, we could probably talk on a whole different hour on just that Um, get into the game schooling type of thing that you and I have um, touched on previously. So for me, what happened was this was a way for me to help teach the family as I was learning. So it took over two years to figure out the balance of the game mechanics because, one, I wanted it to reflect. I wanted it to be true to Bitcoin, and I was learning it. But I also wanted it to be fun because there's some games you can play that you can learn from, but you have to bribe your kids or beat them over the head to play. And I, what I wanted was the balance of something that was true to the the mechanics. It may not be perfect, but it had to be simplified enough that uh, you could play a game and have fun, but it had to be complex enough to capture some of the really cool dynamics of the game theory behind Bitcoin. And it took two years of back and forth. And I actually play tested it during that course of the, my oldest son and my brother, both of whom are not Bitcoiners are the ones that spent the most time with me, play testing. And we would go back and forth, back and forth. So this, this journey was really, I was learning Bitcoin at the same time I was building the game. And let me give you an example. So they'd say, we'd be playing a game and something would come up and they say, well, can I send to myself? And I go, I don't know. And I'd go do research. And the next thing I'm learning about coin joins and whatever else it is. And I'm like, yeah, actually this, this is actually a part of the way this thing works. And, and it was just a lot of iterations going back and forth with questions where I didn't know how to go back. And, um, actually I think the biggest one that actually turned out to be a benefit for the game in terms of the learning came out of that. So in real life, you're going to, if you're a Bitcoiner, you're going to self custody your keys, right? You're going to, everybody knows not your keys, not your coin. So in the game, trying to stick to that, I was like, no one is going to give up their Bitcoin that they mine. They're not going to do it. They're going to put it in cold storage. And the response, my brother was like, right, but you've got havings in here. So whoever gets the first few blocks, the game's not fun for anybody. Like why play the rest of the game? You have to let Mm -hmm. them move it. The compromise was to say, okay, we'll make a hot and cold wallet. And anything that's in your, your hot side is open for attack. And then you have a defense die. So you have a little chance in there. So as a player, you have to make a decision. Do I try to mine more? Do I try to attack somebody? Or do I move my Bitcoin into cold storage? And the opportunity cost is you lose a a turn with that. Right. And if you do attack someone, they have a, the way the die is, it's 50-50 chance. And so now if I had to pick only one thing out of the game that I would want a a no-coiner to learn, it would be. Get your bitcoin to a cold storage right you don't right. the fact that there's 21 million whatever there's havings whatever like if if you don't know that you can get burned right mm-hmm. and that to me is an example of the game is better because i didn't know and i had to do research and then there was a lot of play testing back and forth where it was what should we do what should we not do with the circumstance and then the result is you have a lot of these different dynamics that as a player you have to weigh you have to weigh the decision do i try to mine and there's a you're, there's some element of, of chance with that um am i getting close to the end of the epoch and maybe the havings coming up and you know there's there's a lot of things going on in your mind and that makes the game more fun for for people who understand bitcoin so mm-hmm. bitcoiners can play this and have all kinds of fun um you know who's the whale you know, who's Luke who's under attack, whatever it is, you can do a lot of things. You can also just play it with someone who knows nothing about Bitcoin and not drown them with Bitcoin speak, which is the right. biggest, if anybody plays this game with a, a person who you want to learn Bitcoin, the best thing you can do is to shut up and just play because right. they just shut down when you start giving the, you start verbally just dumping on them you know, all these things, here's what Satoshi did and here's some money and here's all these other things. They just, they, they think you're in a cult or they shut down or it sounds complicated, but if you just play, let them ask the questions. And Mm -hmm. so, um, this is all, this is really, I've gone way long on this, but basically I learned Bitcoin by doing the research to develop the game. And I didn't have a grand plan of what it was going to look like. It was more of Let's try it. Let's see how it goes. Let's try it, see how it goes. And a massive amount of uh, trial and error and, and iteration to get to what, uh, what we're talking about today.
0: Okay. Now, it, it dawns on me that, um, you know, there, there's, there's this old saying in, about teaching and education in general that if you think you know a subject, then teach it. And you'll figure out real quick whether you know that subject or not. And in this case, this sounds very much like that because you're like, okay, I'm going to design this game. And I'm going to, it's almost like I'm going to use designing the game as an excuse to learn something I know nothing about. And this thing that I know nothing about is going to inform me about how to install mechanics in a game that are interesting. And they talk to each other. Am I getting close to that?
1: Well, the, the only thing that I would change on that is I'm telling you this in hindsight. When I, when I did it, I was, I wanted to teach the family and I like games. What I realized afterwards is exactly what you said. If you try to teach somebody something, you realize how well you really understand or don't understand a, a subject. So it's, I, right. I agree with that statement, I, but I can't say that I planned it out that way. Gotcha. Um, I, I can say that in hindsight, that is hundred percent true. So, so I would say that's, uh, I, I would stick by that. Try to teach something and you will absolutely learn it. So.
0: Well, is this where the term, because I've never heard this term before ever, and I'm fascinated by it. Is this where the term game schooling comes from? The, this thing about maybe teaching somebody something by building a game out out of the concept or are you thinking about it completely differently?
1: Right. I'll give you what I think. I don't know the, the true, I've never studied the the history of it. I'm not the one I've, I've seen it before. Um, I don't know exactly where I've seen it. Maybe it was Pinterest or something for education stuff, but I don't, I don't know if it's really defined anywhere. For me, it makes sense that if you're doing something that is more involved than just listening to a lecture, you're going to get okay. a lot more out of it. The more you can actually do hands-on stuff and you're actually moving things around and interacting with people and talking like the the more you can do then the 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 higher up on that the effectiveness of the learning curve that you're you're gonna you're gonna move right if i if Mm -hmm. i there's like an uh, they have like the learning period and the uh pyramid and there's things about um memory like if you if you just listen to it here's how much you remember if you listen and see it you remember more so to me, game schooling is one more tool in your toolbox. If you want to teach somebody something, sometimes you have, you don't know how people are going to learn it. You have to come at it from different angles. Mm-hmm. This is just one more angle. It's it's one more tool in your toolbox. It may not work for everybody, but um, and it the benefit you have side benefits to it as well. You have to interact with other people. So maybe you have someone who's not very physically strong and they can't go on the field and and learn from this physical sports, but when you're at a game, you can be competitive and it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your, um, your physical abilities. You can, you can now interact with other human beings as opposed to being on just social media and you're plugging away at anonymous people and whether you're tweeting or whatever it is that like the kids do with their social media. So to me, this, there's a side benefit to game schooling as well. And that's the human side of it. You're, you're actually interacting with, 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 with other people. So I think there's, I, my opinion is there are a lot of other benefits to doing interactive type of exercises that are a heck of a lot more effective than literally listen to this lecture or fill out this quiz or just read this book. And I know that's not fair to all all curricula. That's not the way everything is. But again, this isn't meant to solve everything. This is meant to supplement and make things better and easier. I personally think from a Bitcoin perspective, this is the icebreaker. This is how mm-hmm. I can talk about Bitcoin with family members and friends that don't want to hear me talk about Bitcoin anymore because mm-hmm. it's just a game, literally. So for me, part of, uh, of game schooling is if you can get somebody interested, man, they'll learn anything. You, you give a, a, a a little boy, a, a book about dinosaurs or something, or take them to the library, they'll come back with 20 books on dinosaurs. You'll have no problem yeah. with their motivation to learn. So if you can do something that's a little bit more fun, maybe you can actually help the student want to learn as well. So all these things all right. combined to me and say, look, try to shake it up a little bit with your learning. It's, it's not going to solve everything, but it has a lot of other side benefits. And depending on your point of view of what you're trying to do, you know, just use it as you, as you want. So to me, game schooling is, it's a great term. I I like the way it sounds. I think there's a lot more opportunity. I have ideas for other Austrian economic ideas I want to turn into, into games. And there's, I mean, how many rabbit holes do you go down to after you discover Bitcoin?
0: There are so many
1: things, right. It's just crazy. Right. So I'm like, let's, that, that just gives me a, as a, as a, game designer, a whole world of things to make a game and then uh, have a book that goes with it. And the book, just to clarify is it's not like a novel you read straight through. It's just, here's a collection. Well, first of all, here's how what the game is based on. And here's all the resources that I was using when I was developing it. So if you want to learn from those too, don't trust me, go verify for yourself, go out and get, go start here basically. And right. I could just see a whole series of games on, I, I really want to get into Austrian economic games next to help with, with, with uh, some other concepts, but man, there's so many things. And if we don't teach the kids, I mean, man, we're screwed. So, um, right. I'm going to do everything I can to try to, to make it fun and to try to reach people and have an impact as a gamer. I want something that feels nice and is actually fun to play. And that's, that kind of drives me. I, I, I like that challenge and that's what led to the game that we're talking about. And that's what I'm going to use to, to drive to other games.
0: Right. And there's, you know, um, I was thinking about this cause we had had a phone call that led up to this, this interview. Um, and I was talking about, you know, some of the stuff that I had kind of run across in my own mind when it came to gaming and, I had mentioned something about a game that was designed around the mechanics of cell biology. And I started Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, I started thinking about it on a particular day. And I remember that particular day well, because I have, you know, a a bachelor's of science in cell and molecular biology. Technically I should know more about the cell than most people walking around on the planet. You know, you got, Hey, here's your degree. And and then I went and I did research in physiology at Texas Tech University, and I got published and on all these, all this stuff. I was working with cells all, all damn day. And then one day I see a video that was an animation, a 3D modeled animation called The Inner Life of the Cell. And it was released by, I think it was a joint venture between Harvard University and I can't remember the name of the studio offhand but they used real world data to reconstruct what the inside of a cell looks like. And I remember distinctly looking at this thing crawling across uh, what's called a microtubule in the cell. We don't have to get into it, but there's these little tubes. And I knew that they were there. They're part of the structure of the cell. And we always talk about them and it's great. And then, but that's it. And then I see this video and in this instant, I see this, what's called a kinesin motor protein and on its back it was attached had attached to it a very large what we would call a vesicle just something that contains lots of stuff that the cell needs or needs to move it and after all my training and all my cell biology classes and everything i never linked up the motor protein as being the thing that walks across the microtubule that moves things in the cell from where they were to where they need to go. Mm. And I Mm -hmm. felt like a moron because that is a, that's a critical thing to understand about cell biology. And yet it was almost not talked about through an entire college Mm. degree. And at that moment I was like, just because the reason that I, I knew it, the reason that I felt it in my bones and I finally understood, Mm-hmm. Why it is that things work the way they work in a cell was because I was able to look at a moving picture of it right. and everything yeah. became clear. So it became evident that you could gamify the entire cell and teach mm-hmm. cell biology from a completely different aspect. And we don't, and yeah. I want to see that change. And so you, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, is that that triggering on you? Yeah,
1: there's all types of things triggering. So, so I mentioned that my, my brother and I go to this game convention every year, 50, 60,000 people, all types of things, you know, there are aliens and zombies and superheroes. When I go there, I, I'm a little bit more of a geek and on the education side. And there's, there's, there are games on the cell. There are games on the environment. There are games on just about everything you can think of They're They more on science, but, um, chemistry, I, I don't remember all of them. And I certainly, uh, military and history, you can get into a lot of games there you there are so many different games to teach so many different concepts and the one that i struggled with was this is another thing that you hit on there so tolly and i my wife and i went to, to business school and yet it wasn't until i started to get into austrian economics which happened after i started to get into bitcoin and i'm like how come i don't understand this like you said you felt like how could i not understand this basic concept uh, mm-hmm. your biology, your cell, your cell story. That's how I was feeling with money. I'm like, how is it there aren't, how, how is it that we we could go through two years of quote unquote higher education on this and not understand some of these basics. And then I go to the game conference and I can see games on learning just about anything but money. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm like, okay, well, that's where I can do something this is this is an area where the intersection if you drew a venn diagram of of bitcoin education and games where I can contribute and you could say it's maybe instead of bitcoin it's Austrian economics education and games or it's you just fill in the blank there's so many things we don't teach well that are basic concepts that our kids need to know or should know and they're they're significant for them and, and overall society i mean it's just can you imagine if we actually taught austrian economics to kids correctly as opposed to whatever the the flavor of the day woke thing is that that's out there so the i have i i agree with you there there is so much material out there now and it's not just games there are amazing videos out there that animate all types of things to complement learning and a lot of them are free sailor.org is free me premier bitcoin is free, Khan Academy is free and it's amazing to me we have so many resources out there. It's we, we our education should be like our kids should be getting a, the better edu- the best education that has ever been available in human history ever. With the internet right. you can get access to more things with animation you can you can explain things better than you could ever explain them. Uh, I happen to like the the game side, but to me, the, the, we're just, we're so far behind what our potential is with education. It, it's really, it's really disappointing that we're letting this, that we're letting this go. So, I mean, I can't fix the animation side. That's not my area. The area that I can help with is the game is the, the game side. And then like with the book, I can just link people to other people who have created good resources. So right. if I link the, if I link in the book, it says, okay, for example, there's a chapter on mining that says, here's how the game is replicating mining and how it, how it really works in Bitcoin. And it kind of, it kind of walks through that. And then it, there'll be links. And you say, if you want to see what mining is and hashing is one of the things that helped me was a demonstration. I think the one that impacted me was an MIT video, but essentially it walked through what it meant <clears throat> to hash and how that links, And it was to me, okay, well, I can't put that in the game, but I can put a link to that video in my book. And, and so now I can, I can help people who want to learn, accelerate their learning without having to create all that material for myself. I just become the guide or give them the guide and then they can do some self-learning with that. So right. it's uh, there, there's just so much potential out there to, to increase the power of our education and we're just stuck with how good on your are you on your test scores, and have you do you have the right opinion about how to rewrite history? I mean, it's it's really disgusting what we're. It's more like indoctrination than it is education. So
0: yeah, yeah. Um, Paul, I just got to make a note here. Uh, Want to get uh, come back to that if I can remember. Um, all right, so I think we're I think we're in agreement that. We're stuck in this in this weird thing where we've got we've got tools, we're not using them. You did and you built a game called Hoddle Up. Can you describe that? I mean, we've described several aspects mm. of the game, but if I were to just buy this thing from you, wh- what mm. comes in the mail?
1: You're if you just get the, the game, the what you're gonna get is essentially a set of cards that are the, the, the board, it's similar to when you set up a Catan board and you have hexagon pieces and you set them out and that that's your time chain and on the time chain are printed, uh, a token. And all that does is help people who set up, put the pieces that are a, another piece of the game. There are 42 tokens in the game, like physical plastic tokens that are all labeled 500,000 Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So as a Bitcoiner, you realize that this multiplies out to 21 million, but okay. for setting up the game, what you would get is you'd have these and you'd say, okay, I'm going to set the game up. And what that does for, for Bitcoiners is that's, that's your Bitcoin issuance schedule. So it starts in 2009 with a Genesis block and it ends in 2140. And I have three epochs in there. So there's, a your, the, the reward that you can earn mining as you play the game gets cut in half. Uh, So you have like three, three phases to the game. The other thing you get in the game is you're going to get these reference cards. There's six, there's six colored reference cards. They're called wallets. It, it simplifies a lot of things. And just, just to help people understand what transactions are. And that's where you're going to, that's where you're going to keep your score. So that essentially those wallets are the distributed ledger. So by the end of the game, all of the Bitcoin will have been mined over the course of the timeline on the time chain, that is. And they will all be in somebody's wallet. And the thing that makes the game more interesting is those colors are also corresponding to the color cards of the transactions. So if I want to mine a block and put it on the time chain, it has to have a valid transaction in it. So not only are the Bitcoin moving from the time chain to the ledger to the wallets, you're also moving it between wallets. And that's where some Uh of the gameplay gets, you can get into some, some strategy. So your question is what comes in the, in the, in the box? Well, you're gonna get the time chain, your tokens. You also have other tokens that are your mining rigs because you can increase your chance for a successful block by using your Bitcoin to buy extra rigs. Nice. You're gonna get a, you're gonna have those, the wallets, the cards, we call them nonce cards. Those are the things you Uh use to make your transactions. And then two, two more pieces. One we mentioned earlier, it's called a defense die. So if I attack you and I want to move Bitcoin from your wallet to my wallet, it's not a valid transaction unless someone signs it. And if you have your private keys, you're not going to do that. So if you roll the die and it's a SIM attack or a phishing scam, or I didn't put $5 wrench on there, but if you are attacked and your Bitcoin is in, The hot wallet side you're vulnerable to attack the way you defend yourself is is defense die and then the last piece you have is this thing called a difficulty dial and that all it's doing is it's doing the difficulty every time someone plays the dial either goes up or down to get a valid transaction you have to be at or below the the difficulty the the threshold and that's a so it's a there's a dial in there as well so you have Uh a lot of different pieces in there <laughs> um right but that but those are the essential elements and then from there you can talk about i'd probably say like 80% of the 90% of the basic ideas of how bitcoin works
0: okay it it looks to me like that the 17 cards that make up the time chain is a way to limit to end that game at one point mm-hmm. or another to make sure that it doesn't it's not like monopoly that that goes on for like 6 hours did you do no, that no, no. because anytime, <laughs> sure. anytime a game that goes on that longer just doesn't have a clear end, it seems yep. like it's a kind of a downer. Did you put that in there for that reason?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to have a limit to the game. So in the book, I will call out that in real life, 2140 is not the end of Bitcoin. That's when miners will be paid purely with their fees. Right. And I did not put, I, I thought about it, but it was going to be too complex. I thought about, do I put fees into the game? And it was just, right. it, it was just getting to be, too, it was getting to the point where it wasn't fun any anymore. So the game, once you know how to play, probably takes you half an hour, maybe 45 right. minutes, depending if you, how much you do smack talk and take time to go <laughs> get your, your Cheetos or whatever. Right. So you, I, I like games that I can finish, In an evening, there are some gamers that will play games for hours or, or days. Even, uh, this game is designed to be something that that the family could play. Or maybe you, uh, you have a game night with some friends. Uh, you can play this at meetups We're seeing this with Bitcoin meetups. It's actually a lot of fun, but I needed it to be short. And so this is where the iteration came in. So I, I tried so many different combinations of saying, how many havings do I want, um, how many bitcoin per piece do I want? So if I did one million Bitcoin per piece, I would only have 21 pieces. And I'm like, from a game mechanic standpoint, that's really difficult to work with. Right. But I can't I can't have a hundred of these things either because now it's just it's just a jigsaw puzzle of of pieces. So it took me I I, I just tried a lot of different iterations. The the, the reason that you have 17 cards is I was able to come up with two having events. So three epochs in there and, and a way that it made, you didn't have to do anything complex to set up the, the 42 tokens that you get with that. You put, you put one on basically from the Genesis block, you put one on each player's piece to start off. And then everything has a place. The schedule is, is set. And so it, it, I didn't, I didn't start with 17. It was, I came to that because that was the balance between enough mechanics to make it fun and interesting and time to do stuff, you know, in the game and make decisions, but not mm-hmm. so accurate that I dragged this thing out and tried to make it so complex that no one's going to play it. Right. Gotcha. So 17 yep. just happened to work out, um, as I right. balanced that, uh, those out and it was, it was purely how do I get the points across in a way that you don't have to do anything weird to set up I just want it to be really simple to set up and that was that's how we ended up with that number
0: that makes yeah that that makes complete sense and I'm looking through the pictures of the game on freemarketkids.com and I'm noticing it's got good art it's got good color scheme I went through this with Scott Sibley about uh, about his Shay game because it's like that seems to be an aspect of gaming that people appreciate, but they don't know that they appreciate it. They don't get, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like most players, it's like, they'll pick up a game, a a deck of any cards, any playing cards, you know, or, or playing pieces. You can feel if it's high quality or not. A lots of people don't register that consciously, but I think that they do register it subconsciously and it makes for a better game. And I'm looking at the pieces. And I got to ask, did you know what materials you were going to use? Did you reach out to somebody who's specialized? Mm. I, how do you come <laughs> up with this? I, like I'm, I'm well, the, I, I know what kind of game pieces to use. I'm a consultant. I, you know, I mean, is it like that mm, or?
1: No, no, no. This is, this is more just when you get, when you're a hobby into your hobby, you could spend hours doing it, whatever it is. You play music, you fix cars, you hike. Whatever it is that you, you do. So imagine going to this conference every year, and all I do for four or five straight days is just go around and look at games. Right. So this mm-hmm. I I not everybody is like that, but for me, this was more of I, I have a lot of different game mechanics somewhere in my memory, some <laughs> somewhere. Right. And I tried out so many things uh, on this David. Like so I I think my first I actually maybe I should just do a posting on the history of it. My first version of this I was a bunch of mahjong tiles that I had put stickers on to oh. move things around. Then yeah. it, um, and then I had um, I'm just trying to remember all the different iterations. Like they, I would I would just try out different things that are traditional games. So if you look at games, there are a lot of card games. Okay, there's cards. Die having a die or a dial; those are standard in in other games. Not they're not used in every game. So. <laughs> I have this library of things that I've seen used in other things. Mm-hmm. And I would think about what did it, what concept am I trying to, what is it? What's the thing I'm trying to do here and what's the best way of getting it across? Is it rolling dice? Is it drawing cards? Is it physically moving a marker around a, a board? And so no, it, it, it was more of it happened to work out this way. And I like high quality. I like games that have high quality. And so this game was instead of having like the whole thing designed and I went out and just got the whole thing. It was more of, okay, I have finally figured out. Like, let's take the tokens you're asking about. I finally figured out what, what this part of the game is going to, what it needs to be. This is how I want to do it. And then I would basically, I would try to source from America. Honestly, 90% of this stuff I had to source from China, even with the higher supply chain costs was still cheaper and i'd find out their minimum order quantity figure out the artwork and i would and i would then order that component and then when i did the plate testing from that point forward i would have that component and then i would figure wow. out the next piece maybe the next piece was the cards i actually don't remember the 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 order now but is right. as i was i was figuring it out as i went like for example once we figured out that i needed to have this the the ability to move things around and people had to be attacked i said okay well we're going to have this what mechanics can we use to, to show someone being attacked, but still have a chance of fighting it off. Like, what do I do with that? I decided on the die, then I ordered, I found someone who could source that uh, mm-hmm. the box. There are a lot of box manufacturers out there. So there, this one is a whole series of different manufacturers. And if I could okay. just give you a heads up on something that's coming. So here's, here's the thing, the, the, the game you're looking at is the low time preference, high quality deluxe version because Mm -hmm. I like the feel, the exact thing you're talking about. I'm torn though, because part of our mission is to educate. And when you do low quantity of a high quality, your price goes way up. And so you're, now you're going to be able to reach less people. So also on the site we have coming soon, it's our, we're calling it our school edition. And so that one, it won't have the hex pieces. Everything will just be on a playing board the, the pieces you're describing that are these, these, the high end plastic tokens will be replaced with the cardboard punch outs Mm -hmm. instead of this really nice drawer pull out box with a ribbon handle on it. You're going to have a standard two piece box. So if you, so it's not a, I don't want to say low quality game because that's, that's not correct, but it is if your focus is, if you're a light, you have a library in a school or, you know, maybe it's a classroom in a school, you don't need to have the same level of quality of game. And so the school edition you see on there is essentially us trying to reach more people with the, with the same, same material on it. Right. So that's a sidetrack from what you're, you're asking about. And on that one, I already knew what the whole game looked like. So I, uh I had to modify the art, but I went to one game producer and I said, I want you to do the whole thing for me. And then I just found the, the best quality price mix of different game manufacturers on that one. So that one I will source com- in a complete package. And the goal is to have those in time to, uh, to show people in Miami, cause we're going to have a booth uh-huh. in the bazaar. So, uh, that's, uh, we're really excited to show that to people. If, if you are into the games though, and you like the feel like what you're asking about, you're yeah. going to want the load time preference, like the, the original edition, the best, Oh yeah. If you literally, literally are doing this for home education, then maybe the school edition is a better better match for your uh, for your needs. So, right. Two no, games, I, two different approaches to manufacture.
0: I like that though. I mean, there's I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because the impetus is to you know, have have a uh, there's high quality playability and then there's high quality look and feel. You know, Mm -hmm. this game, you know, the low time preference set looks good. I have, it. I don't have any of the pieces in my hand, so I can't feel weight, you know. Yeah, we need
1: to change that. We need to get you. we need to get your copy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I need. I need to just order (laughs) one because this thing looks, this thing looks fun, but having a version of it that isn't, that is a different price point, but still has all the same game mechanics. I think that makes just, that just makes sense, especially when it comes to something that Mm. can be used for education. If it's like... I don't know, like it take, go pull out any high quality game from, uh, you know, your, your game of wizards down the street, you know, game shop, and it doesn't do anything, but it's just for fun. Then Mm -hmm. I think, I think having that would having a separate lower price point, you know, entry point on that game would actually kind of detract. But in this case, I think, you know, the fact that it is about, it is about teaching, and having fun and learning something new, then having that accessibility. I, I don't think you can pull this off without having different accessibility entry points. So I think you, yeah. I think yeah. that that would have been, I don't have a problem with that.
1: Yeah. The other thing, can I, if I can have one more thing on this, this is, we're not here yet, but the vision is again, with the education piece is to, to keep spreading, spreading the word. So the benefit of that school edition is, and this is something that Tali and I are, are working on and networking to try to make happen. And that is the game itself is mostly math It's mm-hmm. largely math. So if you, if you look on that, there's something called hash cards in the, in the nonce card set that are all unique, but you don't need to know that when you play, like they all have like a unique yeah. term on them, but that's just me sneaking in some extra education stuff to play the game. It's all numbers. So if I want to translate this to Spanish or French, or you name the language, you're essentially talking about the directions to it, right? So with the school edition, our aspiration is to translate this and then figure out how can we get this to El Salvador, Africa, other places. And we're this in, in those cases, you don't that the, the high end stuff that you and I, this is a first world problem to, to have is the feel of my game.
0: Right. But from an education
1: stand standpoint, again, that's our mission is to, to spread the, to spread, to, to spread the education about Bitcoin. This, this is the, the school edition is one step closer to being able to reach a broader audience. And so those are some of the things that we're looking forward to. We're going to make other games like we talked about earlier today, but we're also going to look at variations of the game we have, to to try to get a broader uh, a broader reach with it so right. imagine if we could get this game into every school or every library or we could maybe it's just a um maybe it's a specific city or a location and we could get enough support to pay for the production and the shipping and get it out to a whole new area so that to me is where now the excitement is even I again i'm a gamer i love games. But from an education standpoint, I am more passionate about spreading the news about Bitcoin. And to me, this is it's one more tool, not everybody likes to listen to podcasts. So I think I could just go down to be on a soapbox for a second. The if you look at the like the the S curve of adoption, the next set of people that we're going to reach, don't Mm -hmm. they probably don't look like us. I will listen to 1000s of hours of podcasts, I will read books, I will go to meetups and do these. If you are, and if you're busy raising kids or you have two jobs or you do other things and you have a thousand other things you're learning, if we're really going to reach that next set of people, we can't assume that they're going to learn the same way we learned. And what I envision is we're going to need every tool we can to reach more people and having this game in another language and someone that can help us with backing this up. We will be able to, we will be able to really do our part to help with the adoption of Bitcoin. So right. sorry for the tangent there, but that's, in my mind, there's a lot more opportunity that we're so much beyond just a game. Um, no, well, no, so. that
0: that's okay. Because this actually sounds like a good spot to to mention what you were going to mention. Because there's, there's a way that people can reach out to you now and help. You want to talk about that?
1: I would love to. This is... This is something new for for Talia and I. We we have set up a Patreon, so if you search for Free Market Kids, we'll we'll be there. And so we are we are trying to we're trying to figure out how to make this this work. It takes it takes energy to, and we're we haven't even talked about going to homeschool conventions or other things yet. It takes a lot of energy to do this. And so, if anybody else feels as passionately about this and wants to support us we are very grateful for that and if you go to patreon uh, i think it's just patreon i think it's dot com forward slash free market kids i can send you the link afterwards yes uh, david make sure we get it right yeah so that that is where um what we've set up we're also setting up a geyser but that's more project based and so for example if you want to we go for an expansion pack or something else for huddle up That might be more fitting for people who are game enthusiasts but -hmm. for what we're talking about and trying to to use like a game schooling type of thing and making an impact for spreading bitcoin um, the patreon site is where we're asking for help
0: okay and also people that are that are i mean because patreon is set up the way it is uh people can actually message you through that and that might be in, like I know you're on Noster. I get the feeling that you're probably still on Twitter. I'm booted mm-hmm. off. They don't like me at all. So uh, there's ways for <laughs> people a, to, to reach honor. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's way for, ways for people to reach out, not just to support you monetarily, but you mentioned translations. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people in this space that are really good with translating stuff, like you know, safety and Amis uh, mm-hmm. like, a uh, the Bitcoin standard, uh, like Der works and stuff like that into several, several different languages. And I'm reaching out, like, I'd like to, to speak to those guys that if you would consider, you know, translating directions, it's possible to get this thing, you know, down to the, to the places in the world that I think are the most important for the future of Bitcoin. And i you know, we I've never talked to you about this, but I've said it on the show several times. I'm not concerned about the West. I, I, I honestly don't care if the West decides to get their act together and adopts Bitcoin. Because what I care about is all of Latin America, and in which case you can reach that with two translations, Portuguese and Spanish. And mm-hmm. you've got Central America and South America locked up. Africa mm-hmm. is the other continent that I think about a lot for Bitcoin adoption. A little bit more hairy, a lot more languages. But then you got Eastern mm-hmm. Europe, Baltics, Balkans, and spreading out probably into the Philippines and some other Southeast Asian countries that Mm -hmm. are, you know, not so, I don't know, impacted by, by what's going, our actions in the West have been kind of reprehensible, honestly. And, and and the, the crap that the crap that I see right now doesn't look like it bodes very well much, you know, for the future, which is why I am not really concentrating on the West which is why I should probably learn how to speak Swahili and Spanish, but I can, I can only so, do so much.
1: <laughs> yeah. So one of the, one of the, one of the books that I have in my, in my book with references that uh, my research took me to check your financial privilege. And if you look at what the IMF and world bank, um, I mean, there's articles, uh, what's the gentleman's name, Alex, let's escape me for a second there.
0: What, Gladstein. It
1: is. I think it is. Thank you. Uh, it yeah, it's just, Alex Gladstein. it's, it's horrifying. And the the you're I think you're correct. The countries that are hurting the most will be the first that will adopt Bitcoin, and they're not they're not looking at it as a day trading type of thing. They're looking at it purely because their their system is further along in the destruction process than than the dollar. Right. So yeah.
0: But uh, before we leave the game, and before we leave freemarketkids.com, You've got other products up there. Uh, You Mm -hmm. want to touch on a couple of those that you want to kind of showcase a little bit?
1: Sure. So the, the one that's labeled, is that the best you can do? I actually made that game originally before I was a Bitcoiner and I'm remaking it now because I, I have learned some things about Austrian economics. So I'm a little bit embarrassed. The artwork is not as, as good, but that one essentially is about the um, price is a communication of value. It's between individuals. It's not a top down central planner type of thing. And it's a negotiation game. There's another game on there called BIP 39. This is a prototype that we have now. The idea behind this one is how to teach what seed phrases do and how they work. But it's, Uh, it's so, but it's not complex. It's, it's much more, it's almost a party game. So I have a prototype for that one. In order to to finish that one up um there's an individual who i don't have his permission to say his name but he and i have talked about developing a uh the the book or notes that go with it quickly and having things in spanish so that we could help teach seed phrases to people in uh in south america so that one's bit 39 It literally it's a party game and you're yeah you're all you're you're teaching about the order matters and what are the, what are the chances of guessing somebody's, um, seed phrase? I think I'm trying to remember what, oh, the, uh, there's some things on there just for fun. So there's some, we have our, we call it our proof of work apparel. These are sweat <laughs> activated things. I actually, we just got these in, I tested them out at the, I went to sat in the sauna at the gym and they, they work fantastically. So it just basically for people who don't know this a technology that when a material gets wet, that there's a certain part of the material that um, will not soak up the moisture. You sent, you can see an image basically, you know, with it. So one of them yeah. it starts out with the, just the Bitcoin B, but then as you sweat, it'll say proof of work, which I thought Bitcoiners uh-huh. would appreciate yeah. to associate with taking care of your body. And then uh, we have the, the one that just says Bitcoin running and it has a silhouette of someone running um, just as uh, running Bitcoin, so that obviously a lot of people will think of Hal Finney with that. Again, so my wife and I had a contest. We were like, "Well, whose whose design is going to be better?" So we just got those for fun. We were just going to bring those to the to Miami, but those are actually available now. And then I think I still have Scott Sibley's um, stuff up there. And the reason for the chamry is we haven't talked about it yet, but Talia and I just went to a homeschooling convention in St. Louis where we were presenting Bitcoin and we're about to do the same in Cincinnati here in a couple of weeks and um, try to get homeschoolers. We, we think homeschoolers, my my thesis is that homeschoolers are Bitcoiners and they just don't know it yet. That's my, yep my thesis. And I more convinced about it than ever, but it's also, they don't, they really don't know it yet. <laughs> it's kind of a, yeah, an uphill thing. But Scott Sibley and I talked ahead of time, and 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 I basically said we're we're going to be at these conferences, and then we just worked together so that I could sell his his products there. We also worked with someone from Thank uh for Bitcoin. We had a little display up there. We were just trying to come at it from multiple angles for for the homeschooling audience. It's it's a very different right. uh, Bitcoin is not part of the curriculum um, to say the least. And it's something that we're trying to change. So what you're seeing on the website, anything that we were gonna sell at the convention, we also had to have on the website. So I didn't create the, the Shamri products. That's just, that's just Scott and I working together because we thought we could try to make a better total presentation at the, at the convention. Well, I don't remember what else I put out there, so.
0: No, I was because I was just looking at the Shawmory stuff on on the freemarketkids.com website. It's on page two of the product offering. And there's something that I want to say about this that I think is important to say. Um, I'm trying to think of how to put this. Um, We don't live in the world that we came from any longer. And I can tell... Because you have what could be considered a competitor's um, sale items on your website, you're helping to promote Shay. This is something that I'm starting to notice and have actually not starting to notice. I've been noticing this shit a lot, is this attitude, especially around Bitcoin and bitcoiners we're we're kind of done. We're kind of done with the old world models of. You're my competition, therefore you are scum and I will never present your items for sale. I, I will have nothing to do with you because, because I get nothing from it. Um, I I don't care about your product. Mm. And that is probably the dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my entire life because when you have two people that would in the old world be considered competitors that are now working together, what kind of synergies can fall out of that? What kind mm-hmm. of things fall out when one of your customers, hopefully somebody will be listening to this and go to the website, freemarketkids.com and go look and get this notion that he's not competing against Scott, they're working together. Um, we live in a different time. It, it's like, I think that's the thing that maybe this is the way to put it. You're saying that homeschoolers or Bitcoiners, they just don't, don't know it yet. I Mm -hmm. say that ranchers are Bitcoiners. They just don't know it yet. Mm
1: -hmm. But I
0: think what I just discovered was that we live in a different world, and everybody in the old world doesn't know that we live in this world yet. They think we live in their world. And that's why they're so confused when we start spouting off about Austrian economics, Bitcoin, homeschooling, nutrition. Mm -hmm. We don't exist, we don't coexist with these people anymore. And we can't do a damn thing about it. Can't go home, even if I wanted to. I can't plug myself back into the matrix. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, is that it? What it was like? What were your thoughts when you decided to put "quote unquote" a competitor's objects on your website to to sell? I mean, what were you?
1: So was it something that? Scott, um, I I don't know how how deep I I went with it. it uh, so Tolly and I, so my wife went down the rabbit hole a little bit after I did. Uh-huh. And once she did it, just, we, well, we changed a lot of things. Um, a, a lot of people change things in their lives. Once they go down the rabbit hole, she, uh, she, she said, why don't we go to the Bitcoin conference for our anniversary? So we <laughs> actually went there last year. That was our anniversary. And I, and I got to meet Scott and his, his wife at the conference. It's very, it, to me, it's, it's inspirational. And I'm like, um. I'm not the only person who's thinking you know, how do I make an impact in my area? I'm not a, I'm not a code guy. I'm not developer. I'm not an artist. You know, I'm not a expert on mining. Like, so what we're, how do I play in this game? I want to be in the Bitcoin space. And as a game person, I thought that was, that was inspirational. It's also a couple working together. So the other thing I, that I, that I saw was that, my thoughts on a game, our, our kids are older. Our, our kids are 16 through 20 now and we have four kids. And so they're, they're at a younger stage and he's, ge- he's creating products that help at a, just a different stage. And so the way that we complement each other is the, I, I don't think if you play the, the Shamri game, it's going to teach you the same things that my game would be. However, right, you can't take huddle up with the math that's involved with that and play it with kids as young as you can with, with what Scott's developed. Right. And so to me, I, it looked to me like where we were two people with very similar ideas of how to make an impact. And that was it. It was just like, we both believe in Bitcoin both happen to have liked liked it enough to make a game and want to educate people. And he's, uh, he just came out there doing that thing with the, with the well, like they're like, they're very passionate. Like it's, it's really cool to see. So I, I don't yeah. know what went through my mind was, was kind of inspirational. The other thing that went through my mind was I better hurry up because at the time that we were there, I didn't have all my components done yet. yeah I don't remember what stage I was in, <laughs> but I had already been going through this two-year process. I was somewhere pretty far along in that process. And I'm like, there was also a a bit of, you know, competition is, is good. It kind of pushes you along. So when the runner next to you is, is going faster, you're saying, Hmm, you know, maybe I, (laughs) maybe I should kick it in or exercise more or eat better or whatever it is that you need to do to be more competitive. And so, um, it was also, it was, it was inspirational in a competitive way, but in a good competitive way, not a, not a bad competitive way. And, and, um. So I, I, just think there's also a huge opportunity. Um, I, I, well, you and I haven't talked about this yet, but I'm going to, I go to that, that same game conference I told you about, I'm actually going to do a, I've, I'm actually going to be presenting my game and the book as a case study in one of the breakout sessions. Oh, good. Okay. So and that's not till that's in August. So it's, it's just, to me, it's just, it's just a natural next step. It's going right. to, Bitcoin's going to impact every part of everybody's lives the fact that uh, it hasn't been more in gaming to me is a little bit of a surprise but it's um, having gone through a lot of pain trying to make this i also realize it's it's easier to verify that it's a good game afterwards than it is to try to build it <laughs> so it, <laughs> it took um so uh, to me that what we're describing these are all just like the you know, once we, once we made the game, then it was kind of natural to talk about whatever the next step was. And then once we got there, we're like, Oh, well, the natural next step is that we're going to, we want to reach more people. Let's make this other version of the game. And they're saying, Oh, once we do that, what if we just translate the directions? and got it to more like every one of these steps that we've described is just a natural, it seems to me as you're just building on, on that. And working with Scott, um, I'm looking forward to working with him on things in the future. Um, I do think he and I address different ages. And so, um, it's, it's just, um, I, I love, I love talking to Bitcoiners. It's, it's like you're yeah. talking to someone that you've known your whole life because you, you can re- you have had a common experience or a common background or. Whatever that well, is, we, so. we
0: call it the shelling point and it's, I, it's more important than people, than people realize even people that, that bandy about, oh, it's well we are all here because it's a shelling point. And I'm like, have you really examined what that actually means? I ain't got to vet anybody in this space. I can almost smell fraud within the first 10 sentences of somebody's post or somebody's, you know, article or whatever. I just know. Mm -hmm. And now I can go like, if I end up like knocking on Matt O'Dell's door in Nashville, I know who's going to be there, even though I've never met a single one of them except for Matt. And that was a bit block boom a few years ago.
1: Yeah. They're they're Um, we we have gone to to Nashville a number of times, and he is uh, he when he says stay humble, like he actually lives it. It all, it caught me off guard. Actually, I was like, wow, yeah, like, and but I was also they were so welcoming there, uh, Matt and Rod and, uh, and Josh, who helps them with the operations there, like so welcoming that Tolly and I every month will make a three hour drive to attend the bit devs and the open house there just to be around people like them. And we couldn't do it this past month because we were at the homeschooling convention. But yeah. I have to tell you, it is, it is, um, you feel like you're on an Island. If you live somewhere and you're not around other Bitcoiners, you might go yeah. listen to big podcasts and things like that. But when you can physically have some fellowship time, this is why it's important to get to meetups. Yeah. It, it, it was almost like going to, Bitcoin Park was a personally rejuvenating. Like, I just can't describe like how how good it felt to be around like minded people, down to earth, mm-hmm. real people, and it's been absolutely wonderful being able to connect with with people there. So, and I think it's testament to to what you are saying is you feel like you know people. There is a certain Bitcoin ethos. Uh, that's there regardless of what part of it that you're working on where we all have a common, we're all seeing the, the same thing. We're all just yeah. maybe we're different steps in the journey or different part of the, of the overall, the overall system and situation, but we, we're all on the same mission and have similar beliefs. And that is just personally, I, I just, it just feels, it, it's, it's so awesome. And if anybody hasn't yet, found a way to get to meetups or to get to a conference or, uh, to get to Bitcoin park. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you from a personal standpoint that is, has been life changing for Tali and I to be able to connect yeah. with people like that.
0: Well, you know, they used to, I mean, you know, in America specifically, we used to have things called the moose club, the Elks clubs, you know, the mm-hmm. Masons, which are still actually going pretty strong, but a lot of these other, you know, a lot of these other groups are almost, they're just, not really there anymore, like the Teamster or not Teamsters, what I was uh, Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. It's There's a whole bunch of groups that are just not as strong as they used to be. And I mm-hmm. think that is a necessity. So that's one of the reasons why we end up with so many Bitcoin meetups and the more the merrier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, be mm-hmm. that as it all may, you know, one of the things that we have, always do agree about when it comes to Bitcoiners is, you know, what's going on with, you know, macroeconomics the fiat money system. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of like, let's dump out of what we have been talking about. And, you know, you got an MBA, you were not taught uh, Austrian economics like you should have been in economic, like in any of your economics classes. This is a major refrain. So if you were looking at what's going on through the lenses of what you were taught, how does that differ from you looking through the lenses of what you now know?
1: How's it different? Well, I, I think so. I, I, I was just following the, the fiat mindset or, or way, you know, you, you get good grades, you should go to a good institution. You should take out student loans. You should get a job. You should get a mortgage and get a house. that's huge. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it was just the next step in what I thought we were supposed to do and it should right. lead to a consulting job. I mean, I think a third of the students go to consult management consulting and a third go to banking. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. that, that was my intent was to get to, to consulting. And, you know, I just, I didn't have, I, I, I wish I would have had someone that could have said, Hey, here's a bigger picture of what's going on. And, you know, had the, had I actually known that I'm not sure I, I I would actually have to wonder if I actually would have gone or not. Um, right. But then I wouldn't have met Tolly. So I, <laughs> I certainly, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I certainly don't want to, you know, miss, miss out on that. <clears throat> so, and you meet a lot of good people and, and I think people who are there have good intent. I, I do think that they're, that it's, it's just symbolic of all the other issues we have, that people in whatever institution they are, they think they're doing the right thing or they, <clears throat> they think they're doing what they need to do based on whatever they've been told. And so to me, it's, it's just part of this awakening that we're going through overall. Um, When you go to business school, I mean, maybe it has been, uh, it's been 20, it's been over 20 years. So maybe they are teaching it now. Um, I haven't actually gone back to look, but I I just didn't. um, I, I don't, I don't know what they're doing now. So to be fair, to be fair to them, but for me, I, I didn't, I don't recall going deep on anything like, like I'll listen to hours of podcasts where we're talking about what is money? <laughs> what are the qualities of money that are, What are the properties that are good or bad? Are there layers of money? What, what happens with incentives when you have bad money? Like there's like, it's stunning to me now to be able to, to see that. But um, can you just imagine if you had an MBA program and, or a whole program that was just on, literally just on to help people understand money. Yeah. It'd be ideal to me if you teach it to the kids so that you don't need a whole separate school for it. Right. But I mean, given where we are now, it'd be nice to have that type of, thing. I think the, the way you do that now is to get into the Bitcoin industry or at least follow Bitcoin. <laughs> you'll, you'll kind of, you'll yeah. kind of do that. The, the thing that, that I'll say is I'm not a macro expert, but I, but I, my issue was before I found Bitcoin, I would just yell at the news. I would find friends that had a similar point of view and yell about whatever politician did, whatever stupid thing, or it was the Fed or you know, whatever it is, how messed up can you be? And it doesn't actually help change the system. And I think it was, um, I think it was Jeff Booth that was recently talking about this. You have to step outside of the system if you're going to help change it. right? Yeah. You, and so if you're just, yelling at this, or you, you go ahead and you just do whatever you're doing that helps contribute to the overall way that we we live with fiat. Um, Bitcoin has helped me personally not sound fanatical to my kids about when I hear something on the news, because now I, I can see what's going on. I do get upset about it. My blood still boils when I, when I hear like what they did with, like with Custodia Bank. I mean, there's just, there's just some things out there that are just so they just make you want to um, really scream at people and say like, like, what are you doing? And now I find that Bitcoin has helped me now that I, I have at least a little perspective. I have a chance of being able to talk to my kids intelligently about it, about not sounding like I'm one side of the political spectrum or another, just to say, you know, I just have a perspective on it. So it's helped ground me. And it also gives me hope because I don't think there's, Anyway, mathematically, for us to work our way out of this mess that we're in, and could you imagine if you didn't have Bitcoin and no. you saw the same things that you're seeing now with the banks?
0: No, I would I'd if have you, no hope. The,
1: yeah, if you saw people of a certain political persuasion trying to push CDBCs the same way the the communists have like you would be like you would think that 1984 is really the way we're going to end up. It's going to be Orwellian. Yeah. And so I am, um, basically I now have hope. I now see another way because of Bitcoin. So it doesn't make me less angry. I'm still angry, but it gives me a way that's more productive. What am I going to do about it? What can I do about it for myself? Take care of myself. What can I do for my family? What can I do to teach others? It's just giving me a much, much healthier way of dealing with it because otherwise I just get mad and it, and it doesn't matter like no one's i mean there are a lot of people who are mad but it's not going to change the fiat it's not going to change the fiat system to me it's helping me say okay well what do you want you there's hope out there what are you going to do to help make make this happen what are you going to do to help others like it's just it just gives me um a way to be productive with my myself and i don't have to i don't have to get depressed about it okay it sucks i hate to see people get hurt by Sam Bakeman Freed, I think the guy's like, I mean, just yeah. horrendously bad. But on the other hand, he's part of a system. He was able to do that because of the system we had. So there's probably more pain ahead with banks or uh, you name, name the, the, the bad, the, there's gonna be other pain ahead. However, what are we gonna do about it? Are we gonna take care of ourselves? Are we gonna make better products? Are we gonna teach people about Bitcoin? So the macro stuff makes me really, really upset, but I at least now have context for how to think about that and context to teach the kids how to think about that. There's just, there's really hope I'm just saying that's, that's yeah. where I would, you know, that's where, that's my thoughts on the macro. I, I, I'm sorry to see it happening. I'm not surprised and it still comes back to what am I going to do? What am I going to do now that this is happening? So I have a choice right. to make and I can either be productive about it and try to make a difference or I can just yell and get mad and, you know, do whatever it is that, you know, the mad people do. So.
0: Yeah. but You had sort of, of an outlet to, you know, do something about it because well, at least, I mean, you, yeah, you did the game, but you also reached out to me and you did that through a much less, uh, angry filter that is <laughs> Nostr. I yeah. mean, yeah. yeah. The, so I, I guess it's kind of where I want to end up here is the whole, you know, where when I was on uh the survival podcast, I was uh a guest uh on that talk to talk about Noster and what is it and how does it work and what I ended up with at the very last we were talking about the fact that Nostr for me was the third piece of the puzzle, after Bitcoin, and then we needed Lightning, and now we've got Nostr, and that's a three-legged mm-hmm. stool. And a lot, somebody said that the three-legged stool was like the most unstable stool, and I'm like, no, it's actually the opposite. A three-legged anything is pretty much the most stable object on the planet. You know, how, how many bars have you got into that you've sat at sat at a, you know, on a chair with four legs and it wobbles? <laughs> Three-legged stool is—it's impossible to do that. It's mm. a, there's three contact points to the earth. That's a perfect triangle. It's—that's all you need. Yeah, so Nostr Nost- Nost- was the last. It was the last piece of the the pie to, to slip into place for me, and that's where you kind of got a hold of me at. So what are your thoughts on what's going on with the advent of Nostr, and Bitcoin? Mm. Like well, I, I put it as Bitcoin Lightning and Nostr all in a bag. And that bag is the only bag that's not burning. Banks are burning down. Mainstream media is burning down. The social mainstream social media is burning down. Everything is on Mm -hmm. fire. And I've got these three things that make up that have the potential to be like, grow up into a whole brand new society. I got money. I got payment rails. I got communications. And none of them can be screwed with. So yeah. where are you on this?
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think Bitcoin is aligned with freedom. And if you look at, I'm very proud of the way that the country was, the, the principles on it was, was founded. I think we're missing yep. We the modern day. There's a, a lot I could say about what we try to do to rewrite history um, now. But if, if you think about how brilliant it was to have freedom of speech and then Think about think about private property, and what mm-hmm. why you need that for a, a truly free economy for a truly free market, like free market kids, right? You, mm-hmm. if it's truly free, are you going to be able to do that if there's no private property? You know, versus say a, a socialist, communist, Marxist type of you know point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the the only way a state is going to be able to control its people is all is going they're going to have to cut off certain things from an education standpoint, they need to take it away from parents. If you mm-hmm. look at it from a speech standpoint, you need to be able to censor who you want to censor. You want to, you want to be able to control the message. And the, the beautiful thing about Nostr is that I know it's uh, the, the techies will say there's, there's a lot of bugs and, and I get that. But on the other hand, uh, I did check out Twitter today and there's notes or maybe it was on Noster about Twitter now not allowing people to do VPN essentially because they want to figure out your, your IP address. Yeah. So there, what came out about what Twitter did during the election, you know, directly working with the government one side. Another, I mean, you're just like, how in the world is that ba- Is that even close to what the country was based on with, with freedom? So to me, Noster Noster is the ideals that people are waking, like not waking up. To, we're waking up to it this generation, but yeah, we've gone through this revolution before, right? As a, if you look yeah. historically, so we're really reawakening to these ideals of freedom, and because of Bitcoin, we have a framework for that. So you have a framework to think about economics now. You, you now have a framework to think about energy. You have a framework to think about private property rights. The discussion of Nostra is it's, it's about freedom of speech. And I love it. I love the idea that, that they can't cancel you. That if I want to follow you, they can't stop me. I think Mm -hmm. the user experience based on what others are giving me feedback on, I'm really new learning how to use it, but the concept is there. And what is the concept based on? Same thing that Bitcoin is based on. You don't have essential central authority that can control it. And I don't think this will be the last area where those concepts start to be applied. I think it's a needed area. And I am very grateful that Noster's there, but even if they found a way to shut down Noster, uh, whoever they, the powers be, might be a central gotcha. planner, statist, whoever the idea is already out there. Bitcoin ideals are spreading and you can't contain that. People have the ideas of freedom. They have the ideas of decentralization and you, you, you can't stop that. So you, if you stop one program or one entity, the ideas are already out there and you can't put those back in. And I think those ideas are only growing as people go through the painful things that you were describing in the economy. And they just, they just need, they just need to know what the example is for them. Is it, Mm -hmm. is it the bailing out of banks? Is it the Canadian truckers? Is it a CDBC? Like take your pick on what it is, but over time more and more people are seeing this and you have enthusiastic meetups with people who have very basic, similar ideals like being freedom of speech. And mm-hmm. I think I'm as grateful for what's happening with Nostra as I am with what's happening with, with, with Bitcoin, because you can't, the ideas are there. Whatever the name of the program is and how it works and whatever animal we pick and whatever color it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. The ideas are there and they're freedom based. Yeah. And I go back to hope that gives me hope in the future because my part might be the game and the education. Some programmer is figuring out how to do decentralized, uncensorable social media. Right. That's awesome. And they are not stopping. They're gaining momentum. They had their nostrika. Th- I wish I could have gone the, you know, you're, you're like, it's going to, it's just a, it's a, it's a fire that's going to turn into a blaze. It's going to, it is, you cannot put that back. And I am really grateful for it. I don't know exactly where it's going to end up, but you know, what's the the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? We we're, we're gaining momentum with these these freedom tools, and I and I just see that's where I see that's my opinion of Nostr. So yeah,
0: have you seen any of the games that have been put out on Nostr
1: to bring it back to gaming? Uh, no, I saw some. Uh, I saw people. Um, I I saw. Some notes that had the that talked about gaming. I did not go and and check them out um yet, so there I, I is, really can't speak to them yet.
0: I'm trying to look for for this one in particular. It's like Scrabble, where you're guessing a word. And oh. if I could find one of their many many posts, and it's like it's all over the place, except when I actually need to see one of these things. <laughs> uh well. not. Yeah, I'm not going to see it. The whole idea here, here though, is that people started putting in building bots. One is a lottery, so you can guess a number, and the whole point is that there's Satoshi's on the other end that you can win. So there's a Hmm. there's a there's that oh that termination part of the game, right? There's a there's an end goal, right? That's that's the thing. Is you can't do this on Twitter, or you couldn't do this on Twitter. I guess I got tweet coin or something like that now so maybe you can but there nobody would have actually done anything <laughs> right so mm. so but there's another one that's like you know it's like scrabble it's like guess a word and mm. I, th- I started thinking about this and a, some guy put up at the almost the exact second that I started thinking about the following a guy puts up the opening line from the game Zork do you remember that game
1: mmm I do not
0: is it was a computer word game. It was before graphics. You know, this, we're talking like 82, you know, 85, 1985, somewhere around there. And it was like, Mm. just a, it was a word generation game. And you would like, you'd it's like, you see a mailbox and you type in, you'd have no idea what to do. So you would type in open mailbox and that was the right answer. And so that's the interaction. It's like, okay, you see a forest to your left and something ahead of you. and, And you'd say, turn left and then it would you'd go there but it was all in in games this guy wrote this the first line from the game zork one from 84 or whatever and i immediately realized that you could embed games inside of this and if you take that to a conclusion outside of the possibility of like just word games or zork like things that were back in the 80s I think it may be possible Mm -hmm. to do things like have full scale types of games that I don't know how to describe just yet, but that Mm -hmm. are, that you can activate as a player just by typing in, Mm -hmm. like the way that you activate some of these games is you, you type in that in pub and then you say start game. And then it replies to you and says, here's the start of the game. And I think that there's a whole, I just bring that up because I want to Hmm. tie it all back to the fact that we're here to talk about gaming, um, to tie that up with the possibility that, you know, we've got people that can make board games and people that can make card games and people that can make computer games. Is this the advent of the first set of social media games? Because now no, nobody can stop us. There's nobody that can say, you know what, I don't like the fact that you've got a word game based on Zork, except it talks about how we might have falsified information during the pandemic. So we're going to shut it down. Good luck. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Have fun doing that. You know, if you want to spend your time whack-a-mole, you go right ahead. But there's these things that are just starting to bubble up that I think have always been there, but we never saw them before until right. all this crap started breaking loose.
1: Yeah. I don't think you, it's hard to, it's sort of like saying, could you have imagined Bitcoin before Bitcoin? And the reality was that it's, I mean, technically anybody could have done it, but like, it's not easy and <laughs> you, you can't, it's hard to, to sit here and predict where gaming is going to go. I mean, you think about where AI is and you think about where we are with these decentralized ideas and technologies we're talking about we we just we are just starting we don't know how someone's going to combine these and when they do combine them what will be possible in a year two years ten years i mean we we're just at the beginning stages of what you're describing and yeah it's going to be it's going to be phenomenal i mean who who i mean just the fact that you have nostra if you would have asked me a year ago how could you have a decentralized social media play if you didn't have a, a server to hold all the content? I would have been right. i would have been shrugging my shoulders the same way as, as someone saying, "Well, if you don't have someone to manage a ledger, how can you have money?" Right. right. I mean, well, now that we see it, you can't unsee it. Right? You can't. <laughs> yeah. You can't. You can't unsee that that scarce a scarce commodity can be digital. You can't unsee that you can't unsee that decentralized social media is possible yeah so we we don't know where this is going to go but everybody who's working on anything now has seen those things so now the fact that on on Nostra you can zap each other brilliant you couldn't have done that without lightning you couldn't have done lightning right. without bitcoin so you if you would have let's say you were the earliest of early and you and you saw big you you realize Bitcoin was going to go where it was going to go back in 2009. There's no way you could have predicted social media, what it would have been, how lightning would have been a- enabled you to develop Nostr and have zaps. Like it's just right. the, the only reason we can even have this conversation is because we're building on these other building blocks. And we now have a building block that's more, I mean, I've heard it a number of times com- comparing it to like the printing press or the internet, the invention of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So decentralized social media with Nosfer. We, and now you have the AI, like we just, we, we have building blocks now that we we're only beginning to start to play with. And we have no idea where, where they're going to end up. So it's pretty exciting. If you're, if you're starting out your career and you're trying to figure out what to do, I mean, you, you, instead of being depressed about where the money is and, and all the things that have happened fiat wise, if you look at the stuff we're talking about, opportunities are endless like you should have like there's amazing you can do amazing things that people just had didn't even have the tools to to work with before Mm -hmm. and in here you and i are throwing these things out like the terms and 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 systems that years ago they just didn't exist so right um, so bottom line is i don't know where Nostra games are going to go i i love that we have this additional tool now to work with and everybody who's seen it now has a different framework on what's possible. I think the, one of the famous ones that people like to use is the mental block. Everybody thought that the, the four mile or four minute mile was impossible until it wasn't Yeah. and that flight was impossible until it wasn't right. So, <laughs> so we, right. we, we've now changed the framework. You can, you can have decentralized social media. Okay. Now what? Like that's just, that's fundamentally different. You can have money without the state fundamentally different idea. And it's, you, you can't stop it. So, um, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. And, um, I would be, it'd be egotistical for me to try to even predict, uh, predict where that <laughs> might go. Cause I, right. I, I just really am blown away. Um, the stuff we've already already seen.
0: Yeah, well, let's go ahead and let uh, let the uh, audience kind of chew on that for a while. And if you guys come up with any ideas, don't even ask us about it. Just build it and go from there. Scott, where can everybody get a hold of you
1: at? Oh, thanks. Um, so it, it just depends on what your what your favorite is. I am, on, even though we're making fun of Twitter, I'm on Twitter at Scott ninety three as well as free market kids. We have our main website that you've been nice enough to mention several times freemarketkids.com. Yep. And you can shoot me a, a personal email if you prefer Scott at free market kids. And then if you just want to go directly and support us, we have the Patreon forward slash free market kids there as well. So any, okay. anything that the two two were, we love to talk on education. We love to talk on Bitcoin and just just reach out
0: awesome scott well thanks for joining us i appreciate it (laughs) bye bye y'all and for whatever reason my mic decided to not i don't know not pick up my bottom end during that interview it may be because i'm using this thing called zencaster and i kind of got to depend on their post-production and you know, squashing of of things when I download their version of the MP3. So that's probably why there's a variance in in uh, audio quality. I do apologize for that, but it, you could hear it. You could hear what was going on. I things are changing. There's so many people. There's so many. Uh, there's so many of us that have just had our fill of everything that's come before that you've got people like Scott working with the other Scott and has his products on his website. And we, you know, like you heard about, uh, you heard us go through that, you know, under normal circumstances, competition is a sin in the fiat world that holds true in this world. None of that works. It just doesn't work. There's going to be sea changes everywhere. And I mean, while I'm here for it, it should be noted that most of it's probably not going to be all that easy, but you know that you've been here before. It's, it's an, it's a, a weird place that we're all at. Anyway, if, uh, again, to reiterate, I'm putting a call out for any of you guys out there that are interested in, uh, translating. To different languages, you know, from English to Spanish, from English to Portuguese, English to any one of a number of African dialects and languages. Please reach out to Scott and uh, lend a hand. Uh, it get, let's get this thing going in as many different countries as we possibly can. And I, I think that that's. I think that that's great. Uh, go if you if you are going to, uh, to uh, Bitcoin 2023, make sure you find you get the booth map, find Scott Lindbergh, go visit. He's a great guy. Really enjoyed having him on the show. Uh, The interview actually went a lot longer than uh, I kind of thought it would. And I'm I'm always grateful when that happens. That means it's, for me, that's a good sign. So uh, I want to thank Scott again for being with us today. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and...